Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church from the Gospel of John. Jesus answered, Those who love me will be true to my word, and Abba God will love them, and we will come to them and make our dwelling place with them. Those who don't love me don't keep my words. Yet the message you hear is not mine. It comes from Abba God who sent me. This much have I said to you while still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom Abba God will send in my name, will instruct you in everything, and she will remind you of all that I told you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. But the kind of peace I give you is not like the world's peace. Don't let your hearts be distressed. Don't be fearful. You've heard me say, I'm going away, but I will return. If you really loved me, you would rejoice because I'm going to Abba God, for Abba is greater than I. I tell you this now before it happens, so that when it happens, you will believe. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Katja. You may be seated. Friends, let's, let's pray together. Jesus, our, um, our heart's companion, you knew what it was to give and receive the hospitality of the heart. Help us to make warm and generous places into which we can welcome friends and enemies alike. That through knowing and being known, understanding may deepen and our love may expand. Trinity of love, come and abide in us and us in you. And in doing so, may your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. It's in your name we pray. Amen. We cannot love what we do not know. And we cannot know that which we do not love. Let me say that one more time. We cannot love what we do not know. And we cannot know that which we do not love. You may agree or disagree or have different conversations. I'm just here to get it all started for you as an idea. But I do want you to think of something or someone that you deeply know and have allowed yourself to be known by and how that knowing, that understanding has shaped your love for that thing, that person, or your experience of love. There is something in the idea of being deeply known or knowing something in all its ways that creates and floods in us an ability to love or at least extend some type of compassion, life with or for that. 
I see it in friendship all the time. Those friends that, you know, like you haven't seen for a long, long time. And you're kind of worried, like, what, what is it going to be like when we see each other? And you're like, oh, that's it's going to be awkward. I don't know what we're going to talk about. It's just going to be like two hours talking about the weather or something. And then you see them and you're like, like, it all just like kind of can catch up in a moment. And you're like, oh, this person knows me. They know stories about me that I haven't shared with other people for a very long time. And it's in that knowing and in being known that we can jump right back into that ability to love and be loved. I find it in parenting in my own life all the time. When, when, when our kids were born, I, I thought it was my goal and mission to mold and to shape these things into like goodness. And I'm like, okay, it's my job and it's my role to make sure I can just mold and shape. And that there is a part of it that is that. But as they get older, I, I realize I'm losing control very quickly. <laughs> the ability to mold and to shape into my own likeness. Thank be to God I'm losing that ability. And so what is it now? What do we do? What do I do as a father as I, as I walk with my children? What are, kids, what are you asking of your parents in life? I think for me, it's a little bit more of knowing them. Knowing how they are and what they were created like. There's still a directing and a showing at times. But to, to truly know them, to truly listen to them, to truly give space to their being in this world allows me to love them. Not for what I want them to be, but for what they are. And in doing so, and that love begins to be the way in which we can direct, the way in which we can show, the way in which we can journey together. You cannot love what you do not know. And so God, the creator, has fallen deeply in love with that which he has created. So much so that this God we say in Christianity, though I think it may be heretical, this God we say in our faith is God loves his creation so much that God entered into it, knows it at its deepest parts, is incarnate, embodies the creation in which it created. There's no other way to deeply know, to deeply love, than to become the thing itself, to enter into it. In the opening words of John's gospel, it says, by Eugene Peterson in his translation of the message, it says, God moved into the neighborhood of our world and our life. I love that idea of God moving into our neighborhood of our own life. You see the truck coming in and it's unloading. You're like, oh, I wonder who's here. And God's like, yeah, it's me. I'm moving in. There's a deeper way of like, oh, you're not just this distant creator, but you're moving in. You're embodying this thing that we call life, this creation. The incarnation of Christ is a deep knowing of creation and directly, to be honest, a deep knowing of humanity. And it is a deep loving of it all. It's, ins it's insane, this claim, which is being proclaimed through the gospel of John and through the person of Christ. 
In John 1.14, when John first describes Jesus living with us, the word relates to the idea of a tent, an indwelling. It's reflecting back to this ancient word in the story of Scripture of a tabernacle, that the presence of God has found a home here on this earth. And it was really important that this tabernacle, that these people who were moving through the desert, that this was something in which they could set up and the presence of God would be right there and they could go and meet and they would have the holy people go and meet with this presence of God. God, this very place that held God in this world. But then when God said, let's move, you pick up the tabernacle, you break it down, and you set it up in a new place. So this is how Jesus is described coming into this world. He is this tent, this indwelling, this tabernacle that has found a place here on earth. This tabernacle, this place of God's presence is clearly from the beginning, and in Jesus, also a temporary house, which can be taken down when it comes time to move on. And that's what Jesus does in this passage. In a deep moment of pastoral care, you can see Jesus is kind of getting to the end in which this tent is going to be ripped and broken down, And he can feel the emotion, he can feel the sadness, the confusion from his disciples. And Jesus steps in with deep pastoral care to talk about, yeah, yeah, this this is being torn down, but something new is coming in. As Christians today, uh, the culture that Christians are within, as the disciples in this moment, we tend This is just usually what we do with humans. We tend to idealize Jesus' time in the flesh. It's an important thing that there, there was there this historical Jesus in the flesh, and can we just know everything, and can we idealize it, and could he just maybe stay around forever? It's one of the questions that I'm always want to ask, like, why didn't Jesus just, like, stick around for thousands of years? Could have been super helpful to some of our situations we engage in our life, Right? But for John, the symphony of salvation continues to crescendo at each moment. The rise of the Spirit-filled church abiding in the Spirit of Jesus is even fuller. It is a fuller moment of God's redemptive plan. So John is helping us move beyond this idealization of God in the flesh, this thing that we can touch, control, that we can crown and just say, here it is, we feel good. As Jesus breaks down that presence, John is saying, I know you're scared that he's not here, but it gets even better. That this spirit is going to fill this place, this void and will be with you, is going to set up a home and indwelling. In verse 23 of our passage today, Jesus answers this question, which one of the disciples says, hey, um, you're kind of making yourself known to us. Are you going to do that to the whole world, or is it just us 12? And the disciples probably asking the question of like, hey, if you want to get like, if you want to get your kind of election out there, if you want to kind of become the Messiah you, we think you're going to be, you might want to like start making this bigger news, start doing more miracles, start like get your name on the ballot along with like 40 other people and just see if we can get you in there. Jesus answers this question by referring to himself, by referring to the Spirit as dwelling place. But this dwelling place is different. The word is different than the one of tabernacle, the one that this tent that is broken down. This dwelling place is one that will abide. It will not move. 
It is movable within the body and in the creation and in humanity, but it is a safe, it is a sacred place, it is a hospitable place, and it is a place of security. It is an encounter with God that I am giving to you as I leave. Thus, it is a mutual understanding and a deep love that Christ is offering to these disciples. In Christ coming in our life and in our society, in our own soul, I think of it this way, of like a carving out of space within humanity's soul. That, is, that when, when we encounter Christ in this world, when we encounter Jesus and Jesus' teaching, we encounter the way in which Jesus walked and lived in this world, it carves out space through questions, through curiosity, through miracles. It carves out space in our own soul. And so no matter what you think about Christianity, what you think about the church, what you think about any of that, we, no matter where you are intellectually, emotionally, you have to reckon with the very presence of Christ in this world. You have to reckon with this historical, this Jesus, that walked and taught. What do we do with him? What do we do with his teaching? What do we do with this nonviolent, compassionate, authoritative movement that happened in our world? And when we begin to just let our souls reckon with this Christ, we see in us, it begins to carve out a space. The Jesus way has a way of carving out a space within our soul opens us up to mystery and wonder, to awe and compassion and tenderness. And so Jesus carves out this space with the way in which he lived and walked and taught and the way in which he worked and loved the marginalized. He spoke truth to power. All of the way in which Jesus lives carves out this space in us. And that space that has been carved out into the very center of our soul becomes a space of hospitality within us. It's like Jesus comes in and just clears house and says, okay, now that we've kind of cleared out all the other gods, all the other questions, all the other things, I know, I know it doesn't all make sense, but I've created a place of hospitality in you for which the Spirit of God may dwell, abide, find home. Our love for God creates a hospitable place into which God can come to be known and to know. As this happens, we in turn are drawn into the hospitable place, which the, the hospitable place of the life of the Trinity, a place where Patrick Atuma once calls it this way, this place in, this, in the Trinity is a place where we are wrapped into the source of life, the source of love, the source of friendship. So do you get what Jesus is doing here? He's saying, I, I came into this world and I am carving out this place in your soul, this space of hospitality. I, I'm kind of reckoning, reckoning all the things that are in your life and I, I'm moving in. But as I leave, I have now created space for the spirit to dwell. And as that spirit dwells in you, then you begin to dwell into this life of the Trinity. This helper literally means the one who comes alongside. I think a lot of us in our lives and the questions that we have or the struggles that we're going through in our life, we really could use someone who just comes alongside with us. Jesus sends 
that presence into our lives. It says, this one who comes alongside us will instruct us in everything, and she will remind us of what we are told to do. So the Spirit shows up and does two things, and this is super important to understand. In our world, that is so divided. The Spirit does two things. One is it conserves. This is the idea of a conservatism or whatever, that it conserves. It looks to the past and it says there is good stuff in this tradition. There is good stuff in this stuff you just heard from Jesus that he was teaching. There's good stuff in the Shema, in the Old Testament. There is stuff that you need to be reminded of to go back to. And this spirit is going to remind you of those teachings of Jesus when you forget them. The Spirit is going to remind you of where you were created and by whom. The Spirit is going to do a lot of like going back and kind of reminding you of this place in which you've come from. This Spirit is also going to progress. It's going to move you forward and it's going to teach you new things you would never hoped or imagined. And so the Spirit does both. It bridges this thing that we often just divide as, you know, going forward and progressing is, the, is a good thing. Or, no, we need to go back to our values and our ways. The Spirit does both. It reminds us of the tradition and the values and the places and the teachings in which we come from. And it moves us forward into a place in which we are willing to journey into unexpected places that we've never been through before. We need both. And the Spirit comes in to do both. And it's not just something that we can read about, but it is something that indwells within us, makes its home within us. It is a mutual indwelling. So what does this mutual indwelling look like? Well, I think when the Spirit begins to indwell the human soul, the human body and soul, their life begins to look, honestly, like Jesus in many ways. The way in which there is compassion, the way in which there, there is an ability to stand on an identity that, that is greater than just bank accounts and job security and relationship security, but just go, you know, this world may shake, this world may not offer peace, but I have a peace because I, I am embodied, I am indwelled by the very spirit of, G, of Christ. So this mutual indwelling of us, of God and us and us and God looks like Jesus. And at the same time, to be honest, it also just looks like you being fully who you are. It looks like being that true self that we were created when God said, it is good. Getting back to that place, a people made by God. In a word, it looks like Love, as one author writes, incarnate, tangible, down-to-earth love. And from another angle, it could look like peace, not just any peace, but what Jesus calls my peace, the shalom of God, the buzzing, blooming, fruitful community coming and going, alive with the Spirit, healthy and whole. I hope I don't embarrass him, but this week um, I was like in awe as I went to uh, my friend Travis was defending um, for his PhD and went up there and kind of shared all of his research. He did an amazing job kind of talking about all the science and research he's been doing over the last many, many years um, to someone who like was like, I have no clue what we're talking about. Um, But it's like he was able to even communicate it where it's like, I think I I might be an expert in this. Here's what I took out of it. And I almost asked, at the very end, he said, do we have any questions? Um, In which I was very glad I kept my mouth shut. Um, But 
What I saw on stage as he was presenting and talking, I saw someone who, who was living into a fullness of who he was. This curiosity, this knowing, this knowledge and I know there's so many other parts to who he is and so many other parts to us, but when you see someone doing kind of one of their things or just see them alive and passionate in that moment and you see a community around them clapping and saying, yes, that's what it looks like to have this mutual indwelling of God in us and us in this life with God. It's called life to the full. It's what Jesus came to offer my question I wanted to ask was, okay, not about the science at all, but what has this journey done for you? I wanted to know about the internal work of, of doing all this research, of getting to this point, of being part of this community, of having moments of frustrating and, and imagining yourself when you were a young kid wanting to be a scientist, and now, now you are one. What, what is that journey like for you? What has that indwelling of God in you been like? And so when we create this hospitable place for God and God creates this hospitable place for us, we enter into that life and that's also what God calls us to go and do into this world. This space of God in us provides a template of how we should approach our relationships with others. And I wanna say this gently, including those who we might be in situations of conflict. We can't understand or love what we do not know. But to grow in and into understanding requires a fundamental attitude of hospitality, a willingness to make space into which others can enter and feel safe and at home. It doesn't mean um, to love another, it doesn't mean that we have no boundaries and we're just like an open space and anyone can come in at any time. Or if those boundaries have been broken, it's good to put those things up and to rebuild trust. But there's ways if we can't even interact with the person face to face, there's still ways in which we can create through the power of God places of hospitality for others. And Jesus, I don't even know how to do it. I'm not telling you to do it. Jesus says, Jesus says there's even ways to do that for our enemies. To create a place of hospitality. How do we do this? Gabriel Markell, in his book, Creative Fidelity, says, if I am completely absorbed with myself, concentrated on my own sensations, feelings, anxiety, it will obviously be impossible for me to receive or incorporate in myself the message of the other. So, hence, as long as my concerns are on me and my central preoccupations, I will make the other, other people and other things, those above and below me, a means to my end. So if you are the center of your own life and all things, we will look to this world and all that it consumed and we will say, how can this be a means to my own good end? Whether we defend our own positions or justify my own choices or narratives, as just as loving obedience... That's what Jesus is calling us to in this passage, is a loving obedience. Just as this loving obedience, as Jesus invites us to make space for God to enter and to inhabit, so displacing ourselves from the center. When Jesus comes in and carves out that room, one of the thing, hardest things to let go is ourself. 
our own ego, our own needs and wants. It's near impossible. And so Jesus comes in and creates that space and displaces that from us and it creates a place, a room for hospitality for the spirit of God to enter in. And creating that space allows us for other people to enter in their story, their narrative, their life, their pain and joy. This is what, it think, I mean, what I think it means to love, in a sense. To know others without the agenda of, well, how are you going to get me what I need? But just to know them. I sat at a dinner in our community group not too long ago as we were sharing bread, and someone played a clip from um, my, one of my favorite um, podcasts, if you've been around at all, from On Being. And um, on the podcast On Being, Krista Tippett, the host, um, asked the question of the Reverend Angel Kidoto Williams. And this is the question she asked. She's, I want, Krista also says, I want to also talk to you about love. And I have to say, I think we forget, but we may be remembered, remembering that, that the great, not just spiritual geniuses, but social reformers have used this word love. We, we have lost the depths of what this word could mean. And it is absolutely central. It was absolutely central to the civil rights movement. And I hear this word surfacing everywhere and also an attention to how we have to revive it, how we have to fill it with connotations that take on the complexity of us and the hardness of what's before us. We've been thinking about this. You've been thinking about this, the role of love in movement, I think for a couple decades. And I wonder how your thought, what your thoughts are evolving to right now. That's a long question, by the way, Krista Tippett. Um, that's kind of what she's known for. Um, but hear this response. What our culture calls us to do is to use love to be a qualifier. Or do, you have a, do I have a preference for you? Am I aligned and in agreement in an affinity? Are you reflecting back to me what I want to be reflected back to me? And if you are, and if you are enhancing the idea of myself, then I love you. That's a limited way of understanding love, isn't it? The way that I think of love most often these days is that love is space. It is a developing our own capacity for a spaciousness within ourselves, a generous heart, to allow others to be as they are. That is love. It doesn't mean that we don't have hopes or wishes that things would change or be shifted, that we don't have boundaries, but that to come from the place of love is to be an acceptance of what is, even in the face of moving towards something that is more whole, more just, more spacious for us all. Love is hospital, is generous space, hospitable space. We see in the civil rights movements and many movements of social reform in the world, it, it was the basis of, of not just um, saying things that are true, but actually choosing to love the other, which actually gave these movements so much power and you could not defeat them. Angel Kyoto Williams gets her idea of this from um, an author named Bell Hooks, who writes, the generous, and tell me if this doesn't sound like Jesus' passage, the generous heart is always open, always ready to receive your going and your coming. 
So Jesus says, I'm going and I'm coming. And he says it like it's gonna happen again and again. I'm going and I'm coming, I'm going and I'm coming. I'm creating space and I'm filling it. In the midst of such love, we need never to feel fear abandonment. This is the most precious gift true love offers, the experience of knowing we always belong. My friends, in this urgent pastoral care, Jesus is assuring his companions that his immediate departure is not abandonment but rather a move that will create space for even deeper intimacy. It's as if he's saying, on one level, I'm gonna, leave, I'm gonna leave you. But on a deeper level, we'll still be together. So don't worry, take heart. I am creating a space for you and I am claiming a space in you. You know, I think we often talk about the good news of Jesus coming into the world and the way he lived and moved and breathed, died and resurrected. But in some ways, this passage is asking us that also we look at the good news of Christ's departure, this going away. He goes away in order to make room for the Spirit to in turn give rise to a community, to a body, and to a movement that will see and experience even greater works, he says. This is what it means to be a part of this. Like right here. This is what Christ imagined. I am departing so that there will be a deeper intimacy of my spirit in you, but a deeper intimacy of you with each other, of creating a space for each other and for this world, this indwelling incarnational space with and for God, opening generous hearts, shaping space of belonging. And so we cannot love what we do not know, and we cannot know that which we do not love. May you know. May you know to the very depths of your being how deeply you are loved by this God. May you know the space that this God has carved out in you and in the relationship of the Trinity. May you be known, and in your knowing, may you be loved. Let's pray. God, as we um, traverse so many different spaces in our life, safe places and places that hurt, we, ne- we know the need for home. We know the need for indwelling. We know the need for a place where we are fully known, all of it, and fully loved. And so, Christ, may you step in and create that space within our soul, within our community, and for our world. Spirit, may you move into the neighborhood. May you take over, helping us to create these hospitable places for ourselves and for others. Oh, Lord, we need you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, let's take a moment to carve some...